Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It is Thursday, the 31st of March, 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net. And I'm Sam Sethi, the MD of River Radio, the only commercial DAB radio station in the Thames Valley. That's very exciting. It sounds as if somebody has a licence. <laughs> it finally arrived. This is Chris Messina. I am going to be talking to Sam a little bit later about Spotify's new move into a TikTok-style discovery feed. He will. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,957 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout. You can too at buzzsprout.com. And if you can use chapters in your podcast app, then Buzzsprout supports those. And so do we. Okay, let's start off with YouTube, James. Now, you've got an exclusive here. YouTube is planning tighter integration, monetization, and analytics for podcasts. Now, we were at Podcast Movement, and Kai Chuck came on stage to a pack room and said nothing. But subsequently, you've found out what their plans might be. Yes, I have. So actually, rather weirdly, I was sent an email actually on Thursday of Podcast Movement. And Kai Chuck was speaking on Friday and said absolutely nothing, as we mentioned on Podland last week. But I was sent this uh, email on Thursday and my contact just said, oh, it's just an email. I I was forwarded it from YouTube and it was just something about best practices, thought you might be interested. And I said, yeah, 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 you know, I'll be interested. And it languished in my inbox for the weekend. (laughs) And then um, Tuesday morning, I thought, oh, I'd better go and have a read of this and see if there's anything interesting in it. No, 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 no. Click, 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 click. Ooh, what's this? And yeah, seeing wireframes of the new YouTube podcasts homepage, I thought, wow, that's really exciting. So YouTube is doing a number of different things. It's looking at ingesting podcast RSS feeds directly, which is good. It is looking for, well, good or bad, depending on who you talk to. It has a new podcasts homepage, which will be at youtube.com slash podcasts. Don't go there now because you'll just get a 404 error. They are going to be selling audio ads. Uh, Google are going to be selling those and other third parties as well, which is good. And you can guess, therefore, that there might be some rev share in terms of that. And they're also redoing some analytics. They promise, uh, quotes, new metrics for audio first creators. And they've got uh, a slide in there with logos for Nielsen, for PodTrack and for Chartable. And my guess is, in terms of the Chartable stuff, well, that was bought by Spotify last month. So perhaps that slide shows people that YouTube have worked with in order to understand what it is that they need to be doing. All really exciting and could really change the industry if YouTube goes ahead with all of this. Yeah, I I think it's a shame that Kai Chuck didn't use a room full of industry experts to reveal this. It would have made a better conversation and also they maybe got better feedback quicker. You know, why wait? But hey, uh, I guess it's his choice. But I was talking to Albert and Kevin from Buzzsprout. Do you think, James, that the host like Buzzsprout will support uploading video or should support uploading video? So that in one RSS feed you have in the enclosure tag both your MP3 and your video MP4. Or do you think people are going to be uploading directly to YouTube their video? And how will that work with their RSS then having two different feeds? Well, exactly. Who knows the detail of all of this? And maybe Kai Chuck just didn't announce any of this because he didn't want to go into any of the detail. But it seems such a missed opportunity. I completely Mm. agree. I think what they're doing is that they are focusing on audio. 
And I think what they're doing is they, they are saying, give us your RSS feed and we will ingest your audio onto the YouTube platform. We'll slap your thumbnail logo on there and ingest it and make a, in Daniel J. Lewis's words, fake video of a podcast you can of course upload your own video in there as well and this 86 page pdf goes into all of the hows and whys to do all of that but you know it strikes me that actually a really quick and simple thing for youtube to do would be just to say give us your rss feed we'll pull in your audio and we'll um, make that into youtube friendly uh, content now of course the, they've used the word ingest and the word ingest, I think, means that they will take a copy of the audio and then stick it into the big YouTube file server in the sky. And that, of course, isn't necessarily good news for podcast hosts and isn't necessarily good news for those people who rely on dynamic audio insertion or particularly who rely on things like programmatic ads. Because, you know, if you're wanting to give a different ad to somebody who's in Virginia, to somebody who's in California, then th this solution probably isn't going to do that, at least not from your podcast host. So I think that there's clearly some questions there. The PDF that I got actually goes into detail. I might be putting some of this into Pod News this uh, evening as well, in my time while I'm writing it. Um, goes into details of some podcasters who have just put audio in with a thumbnail image um, and saying that's fine. It doesn't work as well as video, but it's still absolutely fine to put your podcast in that way. So actually seeing that from YouTube is quite interesting too. Yeah, I mean, the infinite dial, which was again revealed by Tom Webster, made very clear that YouTube is a great platform for discovery and a lot of people are still using it. It does beg the question, James, should we have a YouTube channel? Oh, I mean, should we take our audio and make it into uh, YouTube friendly at the moment and stick it up there? Yes, probably. I think that would probably be a good idea. Nobody wants to see our ugly faces, but I think probably a good plan in terms of uh, in terms of sticking the audio up. And you can automate it if you use Zapier and you use a couple of tricks on the command line, which uh, I've done for pod news as well. And as I've said in this podcast in the past, the pod news podcast gets around 35 plays every episode. Now, 35 sounds tiny, but when you compare that to a typical podcast app, then actually it's up there with, frankly, it's up there with uh, Spotify. It's as large as uh, Spotify is. I think what that's showing you is that it is still a good place to put your podcast, as long as you think about it as just being another app. I think it's a great place to put a podcast, but really exciting. Uh, Chris Peterson, who used to be one of the very big cheeses at iHeart. He says that YouTube adding podcasts via RSS feed could be the biggest inflection point the podcast industry has seen. Massive audience and a powerful search engine. Um, absolutely huge. Roly Ortega saying, imagine YouTube adding podcasts. It's like merging it with Google Podcasts into an all-in-one app and one of the biggest search engines combined with audio video platforms for podcasting. And adding RSS feeds too, you know, how exciting could this be? And uh, just, again, r really surprising that YouTube have clearly been hawking this out for the last couple of weeks, talking to publishers. Why would they not take the industry seriously and unveil this sort of thing at Podcast Movement instead of some glorified promo for some podcast that nobody really cares about how they've videoed something? You know, why were they not talking about this? It's absolutely crazy to me, but yeah. then I'll never understand PR companies. <laughs> now, to play devil's advocate, uh, and Brian of London was actually one of the people who said it on Twitter. We all remember 
running along to Google RSS Reader and we've done many other Google products in the past where we've been all excited by it, Wave being one of them. And then, of course, they get bored because it doesn't become a billion-dollar business and they just kill it and cut it. So why would we trust Google or YouTube that they're going to do anything useful this time? Firstly, Google Podcasts, the platform isn't going away. The app might, but the platform isn't going away. So Google Podcasts is the thing that gets podcasts into Google search, which is the number one search engine, and you want to be in there. So it's good that they carry on doing that, and there's no signs of them taking that away. And obviously YouTube, you know, appears in that search as well. But it's important that Google Podcasts isn't going to go away. It's always been run by the search team anyway. On the other side, clearly YouTube's not going away either. And yes, they've had a couple of different integrations in terms of podcasting. They've had a couple of, inter of different integrations in terms of music services as well. But clearly YouTube is where they're putting their media. That's the fundamental there. So I can't see them losing interest in this in the next couple of years, particularly if it earns them money, which none of their previous things did. I mean, Google Wave never earned any money. Google Reader never earned any money. So from all of that sort of uh, side, I think there's obvious benefits here if it can earn some cash, and you would assume that it probably will. One red bus comes along, and they all come along at the same time, it seems. So Spotify, according to our friend Chris Messina, and from the images we've seen, is working on a brand new podcast interface, which is very exciting. They've posted a screen recording showing a TikTok-style, I suppose, podcast discovery mechanism. That's the best way I could describe it. It's audiograms or trailers of podcasts that you can listen to. And as you flick through, you get that little snippet. And then suddenly, if you want to, I guess you add it to your episode list. So you can create a playlist of podcasts you want to play later. Yeah, it looks very exciting. It's got a new podcasts tab at the bottom with an image that looks almost like the Apple podcast logo, but not quite. And it has live captions. And those are automatic, by the way. And we know that they're automatic because some of them have been spotted and they've been useless. So, um, so that's been quite fun to see. You know, funky vertical scrolling, all of that potentially came from Pods, which was a podcast discovery app, which it bought for $50 million, $50 million last year. So you had a quick chat with Chris, didn't you? Yeah, Chris is clearly using something called Test Flight, which is Spotify's uh, beta channel. So he's seen it. And yeah, I thought I'd catch up with Chris, not only to talk about Spotify, but also Twitter's move into podcasting as well. Spotify seems to really be getting their game together regarding podcasting. A couple of things that you've spotted. So let's start off with, what's the first few things you've noticed about Spotify? I think the big one really is this new TikTok style feed mm -hmm. where it, it seems that they've integrated their pods acquisition. I think the premise of pods was to create a more visual kind of, you know, streaming style approach to discovering new podcast episodes that might be interesting. And I think they use a number of different techniques to surface content from the podcast episodes individually, namely they offer uh, sort of a mini transcript they seem to find maybe interesting parts of the podcast to draw you in almost like a mini automatic trailer for each episode. And then you can just swipe continuously up and down. And as actually the thing that was most interesting to me about it was of course, two things. There's now a podcasts button in the tab bar. Mm -hmm. So that's significant considering how I would say spelt the Spotify experience has been for years. It's very hard to get anything new in there. It's mostly home search and library. And in addition, each episode that has a little preview card has an add to your episodes 
uh, button. And so that's the conventional way that you essentially say, hey, I want to listen to this, put this on my queue. Um, it's coming up next. So I got to imagine that the whole idea here is to surface podcasts to increase discovery. What I imagine is that what Spotify is seeing is that people may be subscribed to two or three shows that they really like on a regular basis. In my case, it's more like 30 or 40, but obviously I don't list all of them. And this is a way of sampling a lot and finding stuff that you might actually want to listen to that goes a little bit outside of your range because it doesn't show you episodes just from podcasts that you've subscribed to. It's sort of is a mix of stuff that you've subscribed to and then things that are adjacent or similar. So I guess maybe the way to think about it is if you've ever turned on Spotify radio for music, this is the same thing for podcast content. So it's at the episode level and not at the show level. So we're not That's finding right. new shows, finding new episodes, which is consistent with the way that they allowed you to create a playlist of episodes. Now, it's obviously using AI to create the audiograms, the trailers. But one of the things that you said is you add it to a list. Can I share that list with people? So, and I think I understand what you're getting to, but yes and no. So okay. your episodes is essentially like your backlog of just episodes. You have a collection of all the things that you've hit plus on. Like I found this very confusing when I first started using Spotify when it was in beta in like 2006. So obviously I've been on there for a long time. You hit plus and it just adds whatever the song is to your music. So in a similar way, you come across a podcast episode, you hit plus, it gets added to your episodes. You can also add it to a queue. I find it very irritating and annoying because it intermixes your music queue with your podcast queue. And those are very uh, different modes okay. for me. Yeah. So that's not quite working yet. However, the same convention applies. So clearly when Daniel like talks about Spotify being an audio platform, he wants you to be able to plus kind of anything into your library, which will of course include audiobooks soon in addition to music and podcast episodes. The reason I ask is because I can create a music playlist and I can make it shareable, collaborative, even you could have a joint playlist. That already you? works. That works that for works. podcasts. Great. Yes. Okay. So I would, I would put on a couple things. I've been watching Spotify pretty closely when it comes to their podcast offerings. So I was a refugee from Google podcasts, which for a while stopped working with my Apple watch. And that was like terrible. And then anyways, the Spotify podcast experience has gotten quite good. And I actually dual wield between both music and podcasts. And I think I do fairly well in both. I have actually started creating, and in fact, I have a folder inside of my Spotify playlists that's just for podcasts. And so I collect thematic podcasts and you can make it collaborative. You can share those podcasts list. In fact, for the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience, which I record with Brian McCullough, if you go to christmasina.me slash podcast, I embed the playlist of my podcast episodes because it's a subset of the overall episodes from uh, the Tech Meme Ride Home show. So anyways, that already exists. That's there. Adding to your episodes, though, as I understand it, is a private feature, and it doesn't automatically presume that you want to share it. So just in the same way that I can connect my Facebook social graph to Spotify, and I can then see my friend's music mm. playing, can I do anything in the same way to see what podcasts you're playing currently? That is a great question. And perhaps after this call, we should try that out. I honestly, I don't use the Facebook integration for seeing what my friends listen to musically. But mm -hmm. like I said, we'll have to try this afterwards and you can confirm uh, to the listeners okay. whether or not you will see the podcasts that I'm listening to in Spotify. Cause that is a use case I had not actually thought about, but if it's audio and I'm doing a social listening yeah. session, I don't see any reason why podcasts would be special. Maybe people no. have privacy concerns about it differently, but if you expect that your friends are watching or seeing what you're listening to musically, I don't know if podcasts are special cased. Okay. The, the, the next question I've got is Spotify has got the capability to create an, a music audio type 
DJ set. You know? So I can say, hey, the next track up is Dua Lipa, and then I can play it, and then and it does it yes. pretty badly. For somebody who owns a radio station, it does it really badly. It's there and it exists, but my brain extension is that, hang on a minute, if I can do that with music, why can't I just record a podcast inside of Spotify and then say, do you think that's an extension they may go to? So there's a couple of things that are going to be coming down the pipe for Spotify that I think are very interesting from a, a social listening experience perspective. One, I think it's pretty clear that Spotify green room is going to be folded into the Spotify. Yes, it's going to be called now. Spotify yeah. live. Exactly. Yeah. Now Spotify held a concert series, a virtual concert series last year called Spotify live. You can get to it at Spotify.live. I imagine that they're going to continue to promote that brand for a number of different things. In terms of live music shows, that'll be one. But I think joining into and having maybe pre-concert, post-concert events, things along those lines, the fact that Daniel has sponsored a soccer stadium suggests that live soccer is probably going to be coming to uh, Spotify and you will have pre-game, post-game, and maybe during game live streams coming out of the Spotify app itself as well. Green Room itself was first focused on sports. So you can see that clearly they need to get into the live sports thing because they want to be a new type of radio that is supported by personalized ads. That is the future of Spotify. That is their business model. And so that's likely going to be what happens. Going back to some of the features that will support that, you mentioned possibly recording a podcast and then maybe queuing the podcast or queuing clips and things like that. I got to imagine those things are coming, but I do know that there's some interesting elements when it comes to group listening sessions on the same Wi-Fi network. So there's mm -hmm. some social stuff happening on a local level. There's another feature that I discovered called Guess the Lyrics, which has not publicly been released as far as I know. Um, I found a Spotify playlist that has the same icon that I found in the app. And what I'm guessing there is just as you can now read or see the lyrics of your favorite songs for Spotify music tracks, you would be able to invite someone else to play a guessing game, the lyrics game with somebody else who's also on Spotify. And that'll probably be a premium feature. So they're looking for games as a way of engaging their user base in more social sharing and interaction. So this question of, this is a little bit adjacent, but I think related, there was a, a product called, I want to say it was called Road Trip. I think it was called Road Trip. Matt Mazio was an investor in it anyways, was working on it. It's now called, I believe it's called Campground. They just rebranded, relaunched. I hunted them a product hunt, but essentially it links to your Spotify account and allows you to create social listening groups. So thematically, there might be like a Radiohead group. And then the people who are interested in Radiohead will go into that and there will be someone who's DJing or posting links, which are essentially Spotify songs. And that kind of creates more social engagement and interaction. I know Clubhouse is also working on stuff in the same vein. So anyways, this is a roundabout way of answering your question, which is, I think that the way you're describing this comes from the, the podcast, like recording lens, as opposed mm -hmm. to the behavior of socially collaborating on audio and then producing the output of that to whether it's a special Spotify playlist or something else. And you already see this type of content with something called the GetUp. If you're a Spotify subscriber, search for the GetUp, you will find a personalized playlist where they have the radio hosts that are interspersing their commentary in the news with songs that are personally chosen based on your interests. So if I oh, were okay. commuting again and in a vehicle and driving around, I might find this as a preferable, you know, and I also had car thing, let's say, which is of course Spotify's hardware device. I might find that interesting or compelling to have a personalized listening experience without having to futz with a uh, conventional terrestrial radio. Yeah. Okay. I'll look that up. I haven't seen that one. That's cool. <laughs> now, um, the other thing that I think you surfaced was the idea of captions and possibly a transcript within Spotify. 
So this already exists. I mean, it has existed actually for quite some time. I know you guys talked about transcripts on a recent episode and really wanted to encourage more people to include them. And as you mentioned, for one reason or another, I don't know, the podcast hosts or platforms just either don't take the time, they don't bother with it, or the quality to do it in an automated fashion just isn't good enough, or it's, it's very expensive. I don't know that Spotify cares because what I've noticed is that Spotify produced podcast shows do include a transcript, which is automatically generated. And that automatic generation is probably not perfect, but it is going to get better over time. Trial by content is the one that I sent you guys that I found. Yeah. They're doing a couple things that are worth pointing out. So one in an episode itself, if you use anchor or Spotify to publish your podcast, you can include a poll. And a poll is just a way of gauging the audience and getting them to come into the app and possibly eventually probably see ads or visual content. But they also include an episode transcript, which you got to imagine one is necessary for search. It's useful for maybe snippeting and creating clips, which doesn't quite exist yet, but may come soon. And then of course, this pods integration, which we first started talking about, does require there to be a textual or text-based transcript in order to create those audio brands. So regardless, the transcripts are being created. They're being indexed for search. I think it's just a question of how that data is, is surfaced to the user and whether it's included in the episode itself and in the metadata, or if it's something you have to get to from within the Spotify experience. Yeah, trial by content. <laughs> and I can see the time timestamps against it. It's a bit of a mess, to be honest, in terms of looking at it. <laughs> yes. But clearly someone's put an SLT file into it. So I'm just curious as to how the SLT file got added. It Was it manually done by Spotify or was it done by the content creator? I guess we're not there for a while. I got to imagine it's by the, uh, the show producers. One thing that is, I think, worthwhile and important is to remember that Spotify itself does support uh, timestamps. And so at the very least, within the Spotify universe, anything that is a Spotify original or from the ringer, for example, they want to demonstrate what the platform can do. So the fact, I don't know if there's an SRT file included, it could just be whatever they have on the back end, and they're going through and they're adding those time stamped links manually. Uh, because uh, it, what's amazing about Spotify is that it is just a web browser. It's a, it's a special purpose web browser, but the mm. entire thing is built with JavaScript. So everything is run off of links. And so as long as you get a timestamp, then you can go to it. I and mean, it's not something that's special that's encoded in the file. I guess the other thing that we were talking about last week was Spotify released their details about the semantic new search that they're building. So hmm. again, that in itself makes it interesting because once you get a transcription in there and you can do semantic search against that, you suddenly have a greater contextual search capability. You have two problems though, right? Because one of the problems is the intent. So when yeah. you go to search for something, Absolutely. Like maybe you want to see a number of different perspectives or opinions about a topic and you want to learn more, right? Maybe it's gardening or something when you're doing something very specific, that would make sense where your search intent would be very high. It's quite specific and surfacing content from transcripts can get you into content that would be very relevant quickly. On the other hand, though, from a recommendations perspective, I think that's why this pods thing is so interesting is because it's starting to use signals from your own interests and what you've <laughs> listened to before to inform the other things to show you. Now, in order to do that, you have to use some sort of AI to draw connections between the content, and that's going to require text analysis. Maybe you can do it with direct audio analysis, but I would think that another path that would be necessary would be to just index all the text and then see the things that are related and then to show you stuff as a result. Okay. Last question on Spotify. Let's move on to Twitter. Mm -hmm. This isn't available for everybody. It's probably not going to be available to anyone outside the US anyway. 
that's 99% of every feature of every platform. I, I don't know about the geo restriction. Uh, I can tell you that I'm on Spotify's test flight. So I am on the early release version. However, I was actually first tipped off by someone who goes by at sleepwellcap on Twitter. He follows my hashtag new Spotify feed and was like, hey, I think his daughter or a friend or something had the feature. And apparently this person is in one of these reverse of a holdout group. Like they get all the new features first. And it is the case that I got it because I'm in the test flight, but this person that tipped me off to just even think to look for it seems to be just a regular like Spotify app user. Look, we wait and see. As James put at the end of the article, it may never come to light. It may just be a test thing. <laughs> right. right. Moving on now, Twitter again, seems to be mirroring much of the activity that Spotify is doing, you know, spaces seems to have done really well. We know about Twitter Blue. We know that they're working on some decentralized stuff. But again, one of the things you surfaced was they've got this tab. We don't know. Is it a tab? Is it going to be a button? It is a tab. Yeah. And what's going to be within that tab? Is it just going to be uh, my RSS feed that I'm sharing? Or is it just mm -hmm. going to be everyone in my social graph? How's it going to work? Yeah. And to be clear, I have not seen the feature itself. I believe Jane Manchin Wong has probably shared some screenshots of something that looks, or at least like the fact that there's a placeholder mm -hmm. um, that's coming. But we also noticed that the Twitter spaces icon has changed to something that looks more like a mic. And there is this question about positioning, whether it's, you know, Twitter spaces, which I, I noticed now the Twitter spaces account has renamed itself to just spaces. I don't know, like obviously all the backstory there, but mm -hmm. it is interesting to see them move in a direction that might be more you know, common, more familiar, more accessible. And that podcast has obviously become something that's quite popular, quite well-known, quite well-adopted. And at least in terms of users seeing the spaces thing and not knowing what that is and not knowing how to click through to it, if there is going to be audio content there, some that is long form, obviously you have to position spaces recordings as some type of content or some type of experience. I know that they've hired another, I don't know if he was at formerly at Apple Podcasts or someplace else, but they're building up a team that has worked on podcasts in the past and certainly are interested in a audio, you know, centric, I don't want to say audio first, but audio centric experience for Twitter. I would also point to, you mentioned Twitter blue. I think that Twitter's creator efforts, I'm not going to say that they've stalled, but they certainly, well, as a creator on Twitter, I don't make any money from Twitter. I yeah. never have, and I probably never will, but I've got <laughs> tipping, I've got super follows, I've got ticketed spaces. None of it's working, at least for me. And you've even and got an NFT icon yes, as well. I do. I, I also have an NFT profile photo, which I had to pay for. So the irony is I'm just getting sucked out. It's like a big mosquito or something. But regardless, I don't know how well all of their creator you know, tools are functioning. They had a, a creator like program where they were trying to pay some people to do Twitter spaces. And they're not like YouTube. I'll put it that way. Um, so what does this come down to? I believe that there are those people who are creating or want to create probably exclusive content and podcast seems likely. So there are a lot of people who have large audiences on Twitter who are probably being courted by Spotify or Colin or Clubhouse or other places to create exclusive content that's recorded. And Twitter needs to essentially meet the moment and provide functionality and services to those folks because, you know, let's say that I did have an exclusive podcast. I would rather sell it to my hundred thousand followers on Twitter than try to build up a new, you know, follower account on Spotify or elsewhere. So. In that sense, I think Twitter is behind a bit in terms of providing, I guess, the right kind of marketplace for the creators that want to offer exclusive content. And I don't know if this is going to go in this direction, but certainly for the creator side, which is more of a one-to-many relationship where I'm charging my super followees one to two bucks a month, and then they get my exclusive podcast. That's cool. If I'm a Twitter blue subscriber, then maybe that gets me some exclusive CNN podcast or something as part of my subscription. And so anyways, to go back and answer your question. 
the way I think that this feature is going to work based on what I'm seeing in terms of the strings inside of the Twitter app is that these will be podcast recommendations that come from the people that you follow on Twitter. So if you are a Twitter blue subscriber, you already get top articles. What top articles does is it aggregates links to news sites that your friends are sharing. And in a similar way, if your friends are sharing links to podcast episodes, now I don't know how they're going to do indexing of podcast links, because obviously there are so many different platforms, but you know, if you imagine a service like Podlink, which I use to link to podcast episodes, because it aggregates all the different sources and then whatever player you choose, you can use Twitter will have to do a similar type of identity layer that says this link is for this episode. And it's also this yeah. episode on Spotify and on Stitcher and the rest. And so I think in the short term, it'll just be a place for you to surface trending podcast episodes that your friends are listening to. Now, the irony of this, maybe it's not the irony, maybe it's just the timeliness of these things is that Twitter actually launched something called hashtag music. I want to say in like 2010, roughly, and it completely failed. You can find the articles on TechCrunch and they didn't really know what they were doing. And it was early days, but it seems like it's a similar idea where it essentially is using your social graph to inform the recommendations that it gives you. And that seems like a really sensible idea, right? From a discovery perspective, I think it absolutely makes sense. The question I guess I had was twofold. One was the links that I think we've seen so far have then bounced back into Spotify to play that, for example. Sure. Is it going to be the United Nations of links? I mean, it could go to Overcast, it could go to anywhere, Apple, whatever. Or is it going to be only a relationship between Spotify and Twitter? The, the other one that, that is interesting is, will Twitter ever consider having a player built into the app? So instead of taking you out the wall garden, would they just make you stay within the wall garden? It seems a little bit odd to then bounce you out of the system if what they've done is waited for you to get into the system in the first place. I think this is, yeah, this is an absolutely great question for a number of reasons. One is what is Twitter and how do people use it? I certainly use it to discover links and to find out what's going on in the world and then to go to the source wherever it might be on the rest of the web, the open web to read more or to learn more. But you bring up an interesting point when it comes to podcasts, of course, it's of the open web, the content happens to be audio instead of text. And so if Twitter is a type of browser, if you will, then I can play YouTube videos inside of Twitter as an embedded experience. So if I see a link to a podcast, why wouldn't I be able to do the same thing? Now you said that will Twitter ever launch a player inside of the Twitter app? And the answer is they already have. You can already listen to recorded audio from Twitter spaces. So why would they do all that investment in a player which plays exactly. pre-recorded, right? And not give you the ability to play MP3s that come from the open web. So I would imagine one, people are interested in this, speak up, you know, share your perspective and your ideas about this. Personally, I would love to see Twitter be more of a United Nations neutral player and allow me to connect to my preferred Spotify, Spotify podcast player, a podcatcher, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> I know. My preferred podcatcher. And then to continue listening in whatever player I, I may choose. I would find that very valuable and it would be a really great kind of ecosystem play. But whether that works for Twitter's audio advertising ambitions, especially as it's becoming much more of a competitive space. I don't know. That's a really big question. And I suppose probably the new Twitter CEO has some thoughts about that. Now, last couple of questions. One of the interesting things for me is there's a new extension tag for the podcast index called social interact, which allows you to put a URL within the RSS feed to where you want your comment system to be. And one of those options is to allow you to use Twitter as a URL. So you start a oh. tweet take the mm. URL of that tweet and then embed that in before you publish. And then all of your comment stream mm. gets added from Twitter. So Twitter is now your comment stream. 
But again, just as we said, you have a player and suddenly you have a comment stream, your social graphs there, boom, you're done already. It's make- really interesting uh, because at least you have a UI model that I would say SoundCloud probably pioneered where mm-hmm. you can leave comments at specific timestamps. It, it, it turns a little chaotic, but I think in the Twitter case, that makes a lot of sense. Whenever I host my Twitter spaces, I do a couple things. I will post links to the nest, which is essentially the pinned link section of the space as it's going on. But what I'll do is I'll actually reply to the tweet that is announcing the Twitter space so that I have the history of all the links that were shared during that space. Now, this probably is getting too personal, but I don't record my Twitter spaces because I find the audio quality sucks and it also expires after 30 days. So I think that it's very important that the podcasts that I, I produce and share do have some longevity and live outside of the Twitter ecosystem. But nonetheless, to your point, I'm already using a specific tweet, which links to a podcast, which is the Twitter space and having all the comments in line there. So I really like that idea. I think it's very interesting in terms of this spec or protocol, social interact feels like a little bit of a forced language or vernacular, but I appreciate the intent. I think the podcast index is trying to create a comment system. I was at podcast movement and, uh, Chuck, who was there from YouTube was, you know, saying Mm. one of the biggest reasons to use uh, YouTube as a podcast platform because we've got comments mm, sure. and everyone sat around the room going, okay, but it's coming fairly soon. So it's not a big yeah. differentiator, but it is a requirement to change podcasting from a one-way medium to a two-way conversation, I think. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And again, to point to the way in which Spotify is, al- is allowing podcasters, podcast producers to include polls. And I would say that Spotify is very reluctant about opening up social channels and interaction. I, I just feel like they're quite skeptical of social in general. I mean, their Facebook integration, which has been there, I want to say since 2008 or 2010 or something, literally has not changed at all. And it really is just a passive kind of a viewing experience. And in a way, they've, you know, a lot of the controversy until this year, of course, with the, the social interactions that, you know, have bogged down places like Twitter and, and Facebook and I guess now Meta. But nonetheless, those comments and the way that listeners can respond I think that level of engagement not only is something that podcasters want, but it's something that listeners really want. And so if you don't provide it on your own platform, they're going to find other ways to have those conversations where the podcaster is not included. I also think that from a monetization perspective, it makes a ton of sense if I can go in and and maybe this is speaking more to Twitter's possible strategy, but for me to be able to, let's say, have a a tweet, um, which represents the podcast episode. And then to have my super followers be called out or identified for me to respond to them because they're literally supporting my work and to be able to elevate those as opposed to people who are just shit callers or whatever that you don't have my interest in mind. Yeah. This is how YouTube does it with podcasting for live recorded video episodes. So people in the stream comment while watching a live video broadcast of a podcast can pay $5, $2. It highlights it in the comments and then they can call them out. Say, Hey, Chris, thanks for the $10. Yeah. Great question. Bang, bang, bang. Right. Like, I don't know if it'll be like, I think the live thing is going to be interesting. And that's a little bit adjacent to the recorded podcast episode where you're like going for the, after the fact playback. Cause I, I would think that listening, let's say to a live stream, like a Twitch stream two days later, unless you're really deeply involved or really love the the content, like you're not going to want to listen to all the thank you for that. And for that tip. And no, but I think it, a Twitter space would be in that context. Work. Sure. Yeah. But right, exactly. Th- this brings on to the last thing. Most people aren't aware there is a dollar icon against certain Twitter handles. And when you click on it, it brings up payments with Satoshis and Bitcoin. And then when you click on it, the digital wallet, hey, presto, it's Cash App. Thanks, Jack, yeah. for leaving that one in the background. Surprisingly, I haven't seen a real big noise push from 
Twitter to tell the 300 million plus people that that actually exists. And I haven't seen a big rollout of it, but it all seems to work. Okay. Again, just for those outside the USA, it what doesn't work for us because we don't have strike and we can't therefore mm. actually convert our fiat currency to the payment system, mm. but it shows a, a course of direction. And so going back to it, instead of giving you a, a heart or a, or a like, I could actually, with your podcast within Twitter, make a micro payment to what, your tweet or to your newsletter or to your super follow or to whatever. So there is a, a mechanism It hasn't been rolled out properly and hasn't been rolled out very well, if at all. So I wonder when that's going to happen. But again, just one last thing, going back to Spotify mm. then, that feels like something that's missing within Spotify. They've got the open access system to allow you to create subscriptions outside of Spotify, but there isn't a micropayment system within it. So I pay my $14.99 for the family account, but Spotify don't seem to have another mechanism other than ads to actually take any more dollars off me. What Twitter will do and how they'll service it to make it much more, because it's not really working right now, as in people aren't using it. And will do you think, I guess, Chris, rather than what I think, Spotify will find a micropayment system of a similar nature? Man, this is such a hard question because I think most of the, the big platforms seem to, if I think about Netflix or if I think about Spotify, I think about Audible or Amazon, they prefer to have what's it called, a, a buffet style approach to content where you pay one monthly fee, you have a relationship with the aggregator and it's, I suppose Amazon and Apple do a pretty good job of providing additional merchandising for individual items. If you don't want to subscribe, so you can buy the individual audiobook or the individual ebook or things like that. But if you, you know, buy the all access, then almost everything is included. Now, to your point, I do think that there are going to be probably podcast premiums or exclusives that are an additional premium within Spotify. I think from a content perspective, from a influencer slash relationship perspective, that's going to be necessary. And like you said, the open access thing is there. So you have Stratechery and Dithering or Dither.fm that are both using that, but the experience sucks. So my sense is that they're probably using that to explore and experience the rails. I don't know that Spotify really cares about the open web, to be honest. It's no, abstractly it interesting, but it's yeah. not like Twitter, right? Not like Jack Dorsey or, or Parag who worked on Blue Sky. It's there. Someone clearly was passionate about it at Spotify. They launched it. It's out there. I, I couldn't get it to work with Stratechery. I suppose one of the reasons I would bring it up just as a, a point of interest is because there's also Automatic and WordPress. And I believe that open access works possibly with some WordPress plugins or something. So that's like over there. And given that they're so large, WordPress powers, I don't know, 40% of the web or something, that's kind of adjacently interesting, but ultimately not a great experience. So long-term, I would imagine possibly by the end of 2022, and I'm just making up a date, but just you know, given how much time we have left in the mm -hmm. year, that Spotify would probably explore, experiment with offering podcast creators the ability to do exclusive drops or other types of content that might be more ticketed spaces and things like that. Like the Spotify green room into live thing creates an opening where you can charge for ticketed access to any type of audio content. And that could be a podcast recording. It could be subscribers only experience live events. Twitter is just, I don't know if they're ham fisted or ham handed or ham headed, like whatever, but they have product market fit with a certain type of experience and changing it or evolving it seems to be a little bit challenging for them. I'm not writing them off. I get enormous amount of value out of Twitter, but getting into the creator relationship business seems to be something that they're really struggling with. I think it's good to see both platforms experimenting, but I don't think they're joining up the dots very well. 
to make a bigger picture of what they are trying to achieve. I think it's, it may take another year before we all see the parts working seamlessly. One more, one more thing that I would add to that is just the, the nature of how we experience content, I think is undergoing a, a dramatic shift in ways that are very hard to understand when you're so close to it. As I was going through Spotify's podcast discovery experience, it occurred to me that there is no experience that is Netflix for podcasts. In other words, where there's almost like a shuffle play where you just turn it on and stuff that you're interested in, like radio used to be in theory shows up for you. And so I imagine that Spotify would love to get into that business and to run that type of content offering for the most part, because the ads would actually not be that offensive. They're just part of the experience. I see it with my Google home device. Now, whenever I ask it for the news in the morning, usually there's three or five ads on my, my personal smart speaker, which I thought I bought like to avoid all that stuff. So <laughs> it's coming, it's going to happen. And I just think that Spotify has such a better sense for the content experience and just letting you open the app plus press play and it just delivers things to you based on your mood or based on the time of day or things like that. Whereas Twitter is so much more poll-based. You have to find people, you have to follow them. They're getting into topics and they're getting into these support hashtags, of course, and some other stuff, but it's still, I think, a long way off before Twitter really embraces being, and I mean, they don't want to be a publisher. They've said this, they're a platform. And so that tension means that they're not quite riding the wave of, I think, user expectations of content should just be there. It should entice you, excite you, uh, interest you, entertain you. And you have to do quite a bit of work on Twitter and in the Twitter ecosystem, I think, to get to that same level of, of experience that comes, I think, a bit more handily within Spotify. I think that's more to do with the, the starting point from both platforms. Yep, 100%. One, one was a text-based platform going into audio right. and one's a It was about communication. Platform. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's right. Last question then, Apple seems to be, <laughs> hey, anyone want to yeah. shake the Apple tree? Because uh, somebody yeah. is asleep at the wheel over there. doesn't seem like a lot's going on. They're becoming less and less important in the ecosystem. They only remain important, I think, because they're the default podcast app on the most used yeah. phone. That's it. Yeah. I got to imagine that either from a leadership perspective or from a team dynamic perspective, or just from a relationship perspective, they're just less interested in podcasts because it's not very visual content, right? You look at like all the money that they're putting into Apple TV and that is like visual sexy stuff that they can use to sell hardware. And it's really hard, I think, to go from selling an audio episode of a podcast to getting a high-end phone or something. AirPods are of course a great platform for podcast, but there's no interactivity. You'd think that you might be able to do something there if Apple were thinking along those lines, but for the most part, it feels it's like a fourth, fifth, or 12th priority when it comes to the content engine that Apple is turning into. And in so much as there are Apple subscriptions, I don't know that many people who are you know using them or taking advantage of them. So yeah, it's hard to know. Also, I want to be clear that I'm representing a kind of American or US centric perspective, because that's where I live and that's the, the media environment that I'm in. It may be the case that in other places around the world, these experiments and these creator economy initiatives are actually working more effectively. I, I just don't know. I haven't seen it, but certainly it doesn't seem like the podcast subscription stuff has, has taken off in any real measure. Chris, thank you so much for your time. I won't take any more of it up. Chris, where can everyone Appreciate get it. a hold of you if they need to find out more about you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Messina and also chrismessina.me is my website. And don't forget to listen to Tech Meme, The Ride Home. The Tech Meme Ride Home. Yes, that's right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Chris Messina, great interview. Great interview. And I think since we recorded that, 
we've worked out how to see it, or rather, he has worked out how to see it. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure how he we has haven't worked done out. anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure how he has worked out how to see it. But anyway, so if you would like to see this podcast interface for yourself, and you have a toy Apple phone. Then you can just just for the just for the fans out there. Then you can by simply going to your iPhone or your iPad, typing in into Safari. So open Safari as if you're going to visit a website and type in Spotify colon internal colon podcast clips. And if you do that, obviously this will be in the show notes as well. If you do that, then it opens Spotify to this new podcast tab and you can play around yourself and it's pretty cool. I'm keen to find out who is going to be promoted in there. It's clearly not just Spotify shows. Uh, A friend of mine saw something which was a very negative podcast all about Joe Rogan and misinformation that that, uh, they were being uh, promoted. So who knows quite how this promotion stuff is working, but it does look really cool and it does look by the way, as if it has been baked into the Spotify app for some time, because I tried it on my iPod Touch, which I haven't actually given any power to since the middle of January, and that had the code in it. So it appears to have been there for a while. So hurry up, Spotify. What are you waiting for? Can't quite work out how to turn it on on real Android phones, but we'll carry on playing around with that and seeing if we can work it out. Yeah, I think I've long said in 2022, three focuses should be what all podcast apps should look at discoverability interactivity and monetization and i think this discoverability is brilliant from spotify i know we've knocked them quite hard recently about some of their activity but i think this is actually something that will change the way that people hopefully find and discover new podcasts Yeah, hopefully. And so it'll be interesting seeing quite how much that works. And when we get it, of course, it does look very cool and very nice to see live captions appearing. So you can flick through and find a new podcast to listen to while you're standing in the supermarket queue or whatever, which is something that you don't necessarily always do. So good to see. I wouldn't hold your breath, mate. Being non-US, we probably won't get it till 2023. But anyway, Chris and I also talked about some of the new things that are going on within Twitter as well. Um, the, again, we don't quite know for a hundred percent. You've had some insights as well from this, James. Is it a tab? Is it a button? And what will it contain within it? Is it going to be like YouTube asking to ingest, um, your own RSS, or is it just going to be a case of looking at your social graph and finding what your friends Mm. are pointing to? Again, it's a discovery channel, but we don't know what's in it. Yeah, exactly. We don't know what's in it. We don't know when they're going to launch it, but we do know that they are working on something like that. And it may just be a filter of all of the friends that you listen to and maybe their friends' friends of what podcasts, you know, um, you want to go and, uh, and uh, have a listen to. I did think that one thing Chris pointed out was in the earlier trials, the link was to a podcast that went to Spotify. So the playback was on Spotify. But Chris pointed out that they've actually developed, thanks to Spaces, their own audio playback client within Twitter. And so there may be an option that they actually just have a link within Twitter itself and actually you consume the content of the audio as well. Yeah, which would be interesting. I hope it works better than the audio client that they currently have for Twitter Spaces, which is relatively immature and keeps on sort of throwing me out every every 10 minutes but maybe that's the two-way part i don't know but if they've got something there which is interesting which is uh, clever to work on um we'd love to know and if there's anybody from twitter listening as if there would be then please do get in touch comments at podland.news 
Now, the other thing that I was talking to Kevin and Alban about was we observed that YouTube, obviously being a video first platform, is ingesting audio. But Spotify already has a video capability. We know that from the Joe Rogan show. Apple has a video capability in the current version. The new media show, for example, can be played as a video and an audio file. And Twitter, I'm not sure how long they will allow video for, but they could extend it beyond their current limitation of two and a half minutes. So it looks like video as well is going to be a big player in 2022 for all podcasters. Yeah, it uh, it does. And I did notice that there was an awful lot of very exciting companies at Podcast Movement who were doing fun things with uh, video. You know, headliner saying that the most uh, popular thing for them is is their YouTube export. There was Adori Labs, which was showing off some fancy new stuff for YouTube as well. And other people talking about their YouTube facilities as well. So you can very clearly see that, you know, video is an important thing. And, you know, I mean, only this week, Sam, you've um, heard about the launch of or the upcoming launch of Talk TV in the UK, which is a Mm -hmm. a Rupert Murdoch TV channel. Brilliant. Which I won't Um, be watching. Yes. But what it will be doing during the day is it will be essentially taking shows from Talk Radio, which is a Rupert Murdoch radio station, and putting those out on the TV. So, you know, with the hosts in front of the cameras and everything else, but producing a radio show. But then in the evening, you'll be able to get Piers Morgan and all sorts of other undesirable content, but made for TV. And actually, that seems to work to me very sensibly. You know, you wake up in the morning, radio always kills TV in the early morning and so actually giving radio the spotlight makes sense whereas in the evening TV always does better than uh, radio so actually you know the only weird thing I think about talk TV and talk radio is that they've called them two separate things and actually it should just be called talk um, because it's a product which is available on both the radio and the TV so you can very well see that podcasts work in that same way the podcasts don't need to be audio anymore and some of the work that the podcast index or the new podcast namespace has been doing has been to get those working better you know in terms of being able to flick between video and audio versions of the same podcast as you listen which uh, i think makes a bunch of sense as well now moving on uh hot and serious seem to be moving away from radio first we talked about how i was totally surprised by the bbc putting mm shows into BBC Sound days before, in some case weeks before, they were live broadcast on air. And now it seems that, you know, we saw Global and Captivate as well coming together. It looks Mm -hmm. like iHeart and Sirius are doing things that move them away from radio and more to podcasting. Yeah, so there's a couple of different things in here to unpack. So one of them is SiriusXM is um, launching a new streaming channel called Freakonomics Radio Network. So amusingly, the podcast Freakonomics Radio isn't a radio station, but they're going to make it into a radio station, which kind of makes sense. So it'll be like a podcast feed, but shuffled, always on, that sort of thing. Seems to work quite nicely as an idea. And it'll be interesting to see how that works for people. I mean, at the end of the day, quite a lot of people use radio just as a really simple user interface of pressing the button, 
it starts making noise, you listen for a bit, and then you press the button and it stops. So can you do something like that with a podcast? Yes, absolutely you can. So Sirius XM doing that, while iHeartMedia is um, doing even more stuff to do with podcast companies. They've um, bought, well, they've done a collaboration with a company called Collab producing a new separate podcast studio which is looking at family-friendly stuff. It's called Curativity. Somebody called Mr. Jim. No idea who Mr. Jim is, but, you know, iHeartMedia seemingly investing even more into podcast-exclusive content. I guess an interesting way of taking the way that people listen to content and saying, look, it doesn't really matter whether you listen live, on demand, or as a podcast. Yeah, no, indeed. Indeed. Moving on, Overcast. They came out last week while we're at Podcast Movement with a new version of their app. I didn't really have a chance to play with it. James, did you manage to download it and have a look? Yes, they did. And it looks it looks pretty good. It's part one of a of a redesign that uh, Marco has been working on for a while. And he's basically got some nice designers paint out and has made it look a little bit less geeky a little bit more friendly. Um, there are a few things which aren't that consistent in there, but I think that's because it's sort of, you know, part one of a multi-part uh, redesign. But it looks good. So many congratulations to Overcast. It's one of the top five podcast apps. Marco is one of those people who spends a long time on something to make sure that it is properly good and continues working on, on the app. And so it's great to see him continuing to do that. Apple have obviously last week announced some updates to the Apple Connect, but uh, they've also changed their terms of service, James. You've noticed something in there. Yeah, they did. So if you go and log into Apple Podcasts Connect now, you'll be asked to agree a new terms of service document. And like any large company, they haven't given you what they've added and what they've taken away. So Pod News has done that. And what they've done is there's a lot of tidying up of legal language, which is uh, very nice in there. But the things that matter are a new clause about confidentiality, which, you know, yeah, fine. A new license clause, which is allowing Apple to use your podcast when they're promoting Apple Podcasts, which I'm surprised that they didn't already have, but they've added that. But the interesting one, I think, is they have added a new bit of a clause about the right to label or remove your shows. And they're talking about, um, I think, about content standards. And so I suspect that this is a reaction to Joe Rogan. And I suspect what happened is some overpaid lawyer at Apple suddenly thought, oh, well, we should be probably doing something about this Joe Rogan stuff. And so there's talk in there about content standards and talking about the right to label or remove your shows in the future as well. The, the other thing that might be worthwhile mentioning is that their license clause does mention stuff about guests. And so I believe that one of the things they are looking at doing, they may already do this, given that I don't use uh, Apple Podcasts, is to give you links to other shows that have had this particular person on as a guest. And that appears to be codified in their terms of service now. So it's always interesting reading the terms of service and seeing if there's anything new in there. Uh, so that was quite fun to do. Now, Rode, Australian company, one of yours, James. Uh, good day. Yes. Good day. Notice that you don't use one of your own, though. You know, very sad that you aren't, you know, supporting the old Aussies down there. 
I used to use a Rode microphone. I don't anymore. I use uh, I use a Shure microphone instead. But the Rode microphone was very good, and they have they've launched a couple of things. They've launched some fancy wireless Go to mics, which we used last week, albeit with uh, noise reduction turned up. So and they were very fancy, and it was nice to be playing around with those. But also, what's that on your head, Sam? <laughs> yes, like gadget man over here can't resist it. Rode said they'd announced some brand new headphones, and uh, like the sucker that I am, I instantly got the credit card out and bought them. They're not yes. that expensive, actually. I have to be fair. How much were they? Um, they're £139, so not break the bank money. I've spent yeah. more on other things. And yeah, they're designed to be all day use. Mm-hmm. So they're going to go down to the radio station and yep. they're going to be used by my uh, presenters. Yeah, that's about 185 US dollars. And that includes tax. Of course, if you're in the US, you're normally quoted next tax price, and then you have to guess how much it's going to be. So there we go. But yeah, they seem specifically built for radio people, for podcast editors, for people that would wear headphones for a long period of time. You were showing me that one of their design things, which is very cool, whereas they have a cable on both sides. So depending on where your headphone connection is on your desk whether it's on the left or on the right then you've actually got control over which side of the headphones that cable goes to which as a former radio presenter and as somebody that had a a headphone connection on the left hand side of the desk but the cable went in on the right i could have really benefited from Uh, so thank you road for being 25 years too late but it's uh very good to uh see them launching uh, new stuff uh which is all good Yeah, I wonder if there's any benefit with the Roadcaster. I doubt it very much, but I'm going to go and play and have a little listen, so I'll let you know next week. Road, if you're listening, if you want to sponsor this show, we'd be very happy. James, (laughs) I'm sure, will change his microphone. Yeah, I'd be very happy, although obviously you can't see this um, microphone. Sam and I can see each other. We're using Squadcast this week, but if the good folks in Sydney are listening, Nick, uh, you should be sponsoring this show. It's... um, very reasonable. Right, let's do some quick hits. Yeah, we had our friends Benjamin Bellamy again give us some data. Maybe. He's been looking into various places where transcriptions occur. We asked him and John Spurlock about how many transcriptions there were within podcasts. And it turns out the number is very low, 1.16%. But we're only looking at English podcasts and so that came out of 770,000 podcasts only 8,935 had transcriptions but he's done an amazing job he's gone and looked at all different languages James yeah he's looked at a fair amount of uh, languages in there and English is doing tremendously well in comparison to any other uh, languages so the next highest language is Dutch Now, Dutch has a tiny percentage, 0.23% of podcasts in Dutch have transcripts, which essentially means that 27 podcasts last year have a transcript. I mean, it's 2022. Surely we can do better than this. So very disappointing to see some of these figures. But the reason why is that neither Apple nor Spotify nor Google supports any form of transcripts in their players yet and that's what would be really good to get fixed and as i said on the new media show last week which was live at the podcast movement 
I was saying, do we have to wait for a legal case or can we move on and actually make our podcasts more accessible to other people? It's important to just bear that in mind. That said, what this data also shows you is the most popular languages last year, which was interesting. So English is number one with 770,000 podcasts, active podcasts last year. Then Spanish, Portuguese, German, French, Italian, uh, Mandarin, Chinese, and then Japanese. Uh, Japanese ending with 13,000 active podcasts in 2021. I'm suspecting that this isn't a fully complete list because uh, Indonesian, I know, has been doing tremendously well as well. And uh, there are no numbers for that. But great to see, you know, so much growth in terms of languages from other countries as well. And I'm always surprised at podcast hosting companies podcast apps that haven't been translated into other languages as well. This is supposed to be the quick hit section. And that was a very long answer, wasn't it? So over in Europe, Podimo uh, in Denmark has bought Dag and Nacht, Day and Night, which is the largest podcast publisher in the Netherlands. They have over 60 shows. And Podimo is going to put some of them, but it's not telling us yet who they're putting, but they're going to put some of those behind Podimo's monthly five euro paywall. So that's interesting to end up seeing. I guess when you raise 76 million, you can go and buy other companies. I guess that was part of their pitch deck. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Uh, Sonant has launched new AI-powered tools for audio and video monetizations. So what they're doing is they are matching podcast content with IAB categories. So they will be listening to this show and work out that we've been talking about headphones for a bit. And so therefore, Consumer Electronics for Audio might be a good advertiser to automatically slot into this particular show. Uh, so Sonant is doing... Uh, a bunch of that stuff which i think is really interesting sam and again anything that automates and simplifies it and helps monetize it's got to be good news now memento a podcast app letting you save your favorite moments from shows has added a new discover feature allowing you to skim through moments and topics and given what we were talking about with spotify's purchase of pods memento might be on the table for a purchase then if they can do something similar Yeah, potentially. So they're doing a bunch of uh, clipping and I've uh, spoken to the uh, team a couple of times and they're very uh, keen in all of this. And iHeartRadio has launched a thing which I thought I'd seen before. Um, They've launched a product called PodGuides and PodGuides is essentially a, uh, you'll find it at podguides.com. And it's a podcast discovery uh, platform showing you podcasts about specific places, which is really nice. Now, I'm an advisor for a company called Maps.fm. And Maps.fm does essentially this, but has uh, many, many more shows in there and is a much more rounded uh, product in there as well. So obviously, iHeart has, well, potentially seen that and thought, well, that maybe is something that we might want to end up doing, given that they've got local radio stations, of course, across uh, North America but uh, there is definitely something there in terms of lo- localization and you know information about locality around podcasts as well. Mm. Well, we'll have Ian Forrester on in a couple of weeks' time talking about something that the BBC has been cooking up to do something very similar. Oh, excellent. I like uh, Ian. So let's move on to uh, Tech Corner. And we were mentioning WebSub last week, and I gather, I've not listened to it, and apologies for not listening to it. It's been a busy couple of weeks, but I, I gather that I got the wrath of Curry and Jones last week on the Podcast Index podcast talking about WebSub. And Dave sends us a boostergram saying, here's where I have to say that WebSub is not actually fine, as I said a couple of weeks ago. 
At scale, Dave says it's pretty terrible. A push-only blockchain solution is the only scalable solution for the podcast industry to move forward on that front. So he's posted a bit of data uh, around this on uh, Twitter. Uh, what, what did he end up uh, posting around uh, Podping? He was saying currently we have 2,755,000 web sub subscriptions in the index, but given a 15-day expiration period, and some are shorter, that means a minimum of two resubscribes per second, 24 hours a day. That is what we mean when we say web sub doesn't scale. So yeah. that's pretty clear. WebSub is a solution that works best if you have a uh, server checking RSS feeds and all of that. It doesn't work at all if you're running an app, because obviously WebSub doesn't work in that way. But if you're running an app on a phone, then you can probably pull those RSS feeds directly from the phone if you want to. That's how Apple Podcasts used to be. I went to read the WebSub spec because I am that boring, because <laughs> I was curious about the 15-day expiration period, because I thought 15 days to expire. So basically how WebSub works is you go into the pub and you say, have you seen Dave? Uh, and the barman says, no, I haven't seen Dave. And you say, can you tell me when you next see Dave? And then you go away again. And what WebSub is, is the barman giving you a ring because he's seen Dave. So that's basically WebSub. And you have to go in and ask the landlord behind the bar every 15 days, uh, is what Dave Jones is saying, because otherwise your request will expire and the landlord will forget all about your request. So I went to have a look at the WebSub spec. And the WebSub spec, well, that lease, that 15-day expiration period is up to the hub. And you can actually, if you're using WebSub, you can actually ask for a longer expiration period. And the hub may in the words of an RFC, uh, honour that request and um, say, OK, you can have it for 30 days, or you can have it for 60 days. And the reason why um, they have this expiration period is obviously if you move RSS feeds, then the web subsystem helps you understand where that RSS feed has ended up moving to. So curious about all of this. I, I wish to spend more time uh, chatting with Dave uh, to understand a little bit more about that that stuff. I'm not saying that Podping is bad. I think that Podping is uh, very exciting. Every time I see the word blockchain, I do tend to, you know, run to the other side of the room. And <laughs> that's always a concern. But yeah, you know, so interesting to end up seeing that. Well, Benjamin Bellamy, who with Casterpods had to implement WebSub and then a gateway into Podping, did tweet out that actually uh, you could have a permanent uh, web sub lease. You don't have to. So backing up what you just said, you know, the 15-day limit isn't uh, hard-coded. It can be variable. What the spec actually says is that uh, hubs must not issue perpetual lease durations. Um, oh. So that's, that's written into the spec. Sorry, Benjamin. Um, but I don't think there's any reason why you couldn't say, can I have a lease that lasts for a month or for five months or for... Um, you know, or, f or for 10 years. But you can't ask for a lease that lasts forever because that's, um, that's not going to be a good plan. And I was just going to say, you're on the naughty step with Dave and Adam, not because of WebSub, oh. but because of ActivityPub and Lightning Comments. Oh, yes, yes. Well, you know, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a entertaining conversation going on there, isn't there, in terms of, um, in terms of the ease of implementation of cross-app comments. 
Um, of course, we could just use the YouTube, um, uh, the YouTube API, <laughs> given the news today. I am obviously joking. There has been a, a small update to the social interact tag, which is the thing that is, is enabling cross-app comments. Uh, it's very tedious, and very dull, and you'll find it in the uh, show notes. But basically, yes, I ended up having to do some work, which, uh, funnily enough, has, has ended up breaking something. But there we are. And at the moment, I'm hoping to add lightning comments back in a couple of days. But we're also permanently using Twitter as well as a base commenting tool because quite a lot of people are on Twitter, it turns out. But at the end of the day, I just want something that works and something that is easy for the average coder to do. And ActivityPub is not easy for the average coder to do. And anything that requires you to spin up a server of your own is relatively insanity. And um, it'd be really good to stop inventing five different messaging systems. We're not Google. Um, it'd be nice to have yeah. one. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on from that, because otherwise I'll just get more shouting. But if they want to shout at me, uh, send us a boost by holding the boost button down, and you can shout as much as you like. They may well have done. Now, a couple of other apps that are doing well. JustCast added support recently at episode level for Value for Value, so well done to the guys there. Yes, many and congratulations. The Pod LP app has added a new release for KaiOS, which has added a season filter. They looked at what Apple did and they thought, brilliant, we'll do that. Uh, and uh, so they've done that. So many congratulations to them too. And Audio Wave have added support for several of the podcast index namespaces, namely People, Location, and well done, the transcript tag as well. So congratulations to Audio Wave. Boostergram Corner. Yes, it's that time again. It's time for Boostergram Corner, and we've got a number of different Boostergrams. One from Alban. Thank you very much. Our guest, of course, last week. Thank you for having me on the podcast, he says. It was great to see you both at Podcast Movement. It was great to see you, Alban, uh, at Podcast Movement, too. Thank you for your thousand sats using Castomatic. Much uh, appreciated. And uh, it's brilliant to spend time at Podcast Movement and to see all of these people who we've been talking about for the last year and a half. And uh, it was also the first time that we actually met physically, wasn't it? Uh, it which was... was uh, which was a thing. You're taller than I thought. Yeah, sorry about that. You're smaller yeah. than I thought. Yeah, and also James thought fatter than he thought as well. <laughs> That's not a thing that anybody could ever accuse me of, I don't think. But anyway, no. um, one person we didn't see because uh, he's busy with his day job is Dave Jones from the Podcast Index. He sent us 2,112 sats, a rush boost. And he says, if you're confused by the billing order at Podcast Movement, because of course I was there just in front of Will Ferrell, then he said, you've clearly never seen a Will Ferrell movie. Not surprising. Uh, no, but that was a weird old thing. I can say that I have been on the same stage as Will Ferrell, but I never actually met him. <laughs> so he was skulking around the back somewhere. So I've been on the same stage, but not unfortunately at the same time. And Kyrin from the Mere Mortals podcast has given us a USA boost, which is 872 on the keypad, apparently. Very clever. And he has said, enjoy your trip and give us an update of how painful or painless the travel experience is nowadays. Ah, well, actually, if you have a look at my Twitter recently, you will see that I have posted a very long flight report, which I uh, normally do just to keep myself sane. And my goodness, part of the travel experience was completely painful. What I really liked is a brand new app, Sam, from the Australian government, where I had to take photographs of my Australian passport, then hold my Australian passport down so that the app could read the NFC in it, then uh, take a photograph of me and wave my head from side to side and everything else so it could really prove that it was me. And then I had to 
scan all of my vaccination certificates given to me by the Australian government into this Australian government app. So already you're seeing that there's a little bit of duplication going on here, followed by another thing of scanning the COVID test that I had had and everything else. And it was just the most irritating thing. And then nobody took the blind bit of notice of it anywhere. And I had to fill everything out all over again. Brilliant. Uh, Another triumph, Australian government. (laughs) We are meeting again. We'll meet again. I know exactly where. I know exactly when. The podcast show, 2022, which is the new international festival for podcasting in London this May. It's on the 25th and 26th of May. Uh, You can get your day passes now if you wish. 55 quid is how much they will cost. If you want £10 off that, then you can... No, it's £5 off that, isn't it? Because it's a 10% discount. Oh, I don't know. However much the discount is, I haven't got my sponsorship read in front of me. But anyway, use the code PODNEWS and see if you can save some money at thepodcastshowlondon.com. And you can find out more at pod.events. So, Sam, your Ofcom DAB license has arrived. How exciting. Yeah, I woke up in LA uh, to an email from Ofcom. Fell off my chair in my uh, hotel bedroom thinking, wow. And then had no one to celebrate it with because all my team's back in the UK. That was very (laughs) dull. So then, of course, the process wasn't quite complete because then it goes to Arkiva, the transmitter, who then sends it back to Ofcom. I don't know why Ofcom need to have it back. But yes, we are going live on Monday, the 4th of April. So God help me. And this essentially means if you are listening from a foreign climate and you have no idea what DAB is, it's radio broadcasting. It means that Sam's radio station, River.Radio, will be on the radio from Monday the 4th of April. What time are you going live? It's 7 in the morning and the obligatory photo of my car radio will be available. I should hope so. What's your first song going to be? Lots of geeky people will be wondering what the first song is and what the first presenter read is. So, for example, when the late, great John Myers was running radio stations, the first song on every radio station that he ran was A Star Is Born. I was responsible for one first song, and that was uh, Virgin Radio Classic Rock when that went live. So Virgin Radio's first song when that went live was Born To Be Wild, uh, a re-record of that, especially for Virgin Radio by In Excess. And so what I managed to do for Virgin Radio Classic Rock when it went on DAB for the first time is we had the original Born To Be Wild because it kind of fitted that way. So that worked That worked uh, really well. My boss at the time, a lovely man, Paul Jackson, was not that fussed about what the first song was going to be. I don't think he was as much of an anorak as I was. And I said, please, can we have just the original Born To Be Wild by Thin Lizzy? And he said, OK, then, go on then. It was by Thin Lizzy, wasn't it? This is a robotic James edited in afterwards telling you it was actually by Steppenwolf. What a stupid human James he is. Now, back to Sam and his choice of first song. Into the Valley, because we're in Thames Valley. Oh, yeah. So who knows? Yeah, or, or 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 some some beige insipid MP people tune, uh, <laughs> rivers. Uh, anyway, you are also a guest on Buzzcast this week with Alban and Kevin, which is exciting. Were you doing that virtually or were you doing that physically? No, I did that virtually last night, and lovely to meet Kevin. Obviously, I spent time with Alban, but lovely to meet Kevin. Great guys, and thank you very much for letting me be your guest. Indeed. And also thank you to Ben and Alberto from RSS.com uh, for their hospitality in LA. They're a great podcast host, not obviously as good as Buzzsprout, but they are nevertheless a very good podcast host. So really good to uh, see them in LA as well. And to everybody else who we um, 
bumped into, apart from the the few people who shouted at me, it was a very pleasurable experience. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was a good thing, I think. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much to Chris Messina, talking with Sam uh, earlier on. Great, great interview. And if you've enjoyed this show or any of our previous shows, you can tell your friends on Twitter, LinkedIn or TikTok about Podland News or just uh, retweet one of our episode posts. And we've an email address as well, haven't we, uh, Sam? Yeah, it's comments at podland.news. Thank you, James, for fixing that. And you'll find all of our previous shows and interviews now at podland.news. If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app or just ask a smart speaker. And all the stories we've discussed on Podland today are in the show notes. And we use chapters and transcripts too. Our music is from Ignite Jingles and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends at Buzzsprout. Keep listening. <laughs> <laughs>